0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians 4. And if you're new today, we're walking through the book of Ephesians. And we're in chapter 4, and we're talking about spiritual gifts today. You are a gifted child, whether you realize that or not. You are, if you know Jesus. And so we're going to talk about how God is building up the body of Christ and how He's given spiritual gifts to each member of the body of Christ that the whole might be built up. Ephesians 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 16 this morning, if you'll take your copy of God's Word and follow along. The Apostle Paul says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, Father, Father, what a vision of the church you give us in this text. And we thank you for the gift of salvation that we have We thank you that along with that, you have given to every believer one or more special gifts to serve you, to impact the lives of others with, and to build up the body of Christ. We pray that you would use this time together to open our eyes to this, that we might serve you more effectively and be more effective in building up the church that Jesus died for. And we pray this all in His name. Amen. One of our nation's greatest musical artists, the trumpet player Louis Armstrong, was born August fourth, nineteen 1901 in a section of New Orleans so violent that the neighborhood was called the battlefield. His mother... Was a 15 year old prostitute. He never knew his father. And according to historian Jeffrey Ward, Lewis grew up surrounded from birth by enough vice and violence to fill a sociologist's file cabinet. He took part in some of it, observed all of it, made no easy judgments about any of it, and managed miraculously to incorporate it all into his art the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the beautiful. In the process, his unrivaled genius, his gift, changed music forever. Gift. That was the word that Louis Armstrong used to describe His musical ability. If he had been born under different circumstances, different time and and place, like in our world today, undoubtedly he would have been placed in a, a school for gifted children. But the Bible says that every follower of Jesus is a gifted child in a couple of ways. First of all, there's the gift of our salvation, right? John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. That's the gift of Jesus to us. But the Bible says that when we come to know Jesus, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are given one or more Spiritual gifts that we're to use to build up the body of Christ. That's what this text is about. What does it tell us about spiritual gifts? The first thing is this. Our victorious Christ distributes the gifts. Our victorious Christ distributes the gifts. What do we see in verse 7? He says, by grace... But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So what do we see in this verse about the spiritual gifts? First of all, they are given by grace. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. Now, grace in Greek is the word charis. And the word for spiritual gifts in Greek is charismata. They are literally grace gifts. That's what spiritual gifts are. Grace gifts. And because they're gifts, they're not something that we have earned. They're just given to us by God when we come to know Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that... we don't do anything to uh, develop those uh, gifts so that they, they really are, are used to maximum impact through our lives. Paul says to Timothy, I want you to fan your gift into a flame. You know, like in my own life, you know, with, with preaching, I mean, I know that when I first started to pray about this and it seemed like God was confirming in my heart, you know, that he had put that kind of a calling in my life, um, the first couple of times that I had the opportunity to try to communicate God's Word in a, a public way, I was so nervous, so terrified that I was just almost physically ill. I was just... Nauseous at the thought of doing that. It was not something that was just, I just naturally, you know, felt confident in doing. And even when I did try it, those early sermons were a lot different than the sermons that you're getting uh, today. I've grown a lot since then. Hopefully, I'm still growing in the ability to to communicate and teach God's Word. Billy, Billy Graham tells a story about. When he first started preaching, he was a student at Bible College in Florida, and he used to go out, before he would preach him in the church, he would go out in the swamps and preach his sermons. And he said, that was a really good thing that I did that, because uh, it was good that I inflicted those sermons on alligators rather than people at that point. You know? And so, obviously, there was an anointing from God and a gift that was there in his life, but it had to be fleshed out okay and that's the case with most of us i think with our our gifts um we have to use them um and and develop them now how, how do you how do you discover what it is well you pray and you immerse yourself in the body of christ you immer, you, you try different things in the church just try to help people Try to see needs and meet needs and help however you can and get in here and minister. And as you minister and as you pray and as you just try to help in in whatever way you can, God confirms it in your heart. And you'll discover something that brings you an immense fulfillment and joy and it blesses other people, meets needs. The great Christian writer Frederick Buechner says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Love that. So they're given by grace. Second, the spiritual gifts are given to every follower of Jesus. No one is left out. What does he say in verse 7? Grace was given to who? To each one of us. To each one of us. Last week we talked about the unity of the body of Christ. In verses 1 through 6, we're we're one body. This week we're talking about the diversity within that one body. Because we come into this one body with different backgrounds and different personalities, different experiences, and, and, and a variety of spiritual gifts that's God's plan, because just like in the physical body, you know, we've got one body with many parts, right? We've got eyes and fingers and arms and legs, but all working together to make this one body function. That's God's plan in the body of Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians 12:7, to each, right, each member of the church is given the manifestation of the Spirit by manifestation of the spirit there he's talking about spiritual gifts okay to each is given the manifestation of the spirit spiritual gifts for what for the common good new testament scholar peter t o'brien says this within the unity of the body each member has a distinctive service to render for effective functioning of the whole you know what that means It means that if you're not using your spiritual gift, our church is missing out on something. We're missing out on a degree of effectiveness that we would have if you were using your spiritual gift. Bob Goff has written a wonderful book called Love Does. I commend it to you. Uh, It has has all all kinds of uh, great stories in it. But um, he, he tells one about a New Year's Day when he and his wife Maria, were, they were sitting around the dining room table with their kids, very small kids at that point, and one of the kids said they were bored. And so they said, well, hey, what can we do to help you with your boredom on New Year's Day? And so they began to make suggestions. One of them said, we want you to buy us a pony. And another one said, we want a spaceship. And another one said, let's have a parade. Well, that sounded like the best option to mom and dad. Okay, most realistic, most affordable option. So they said, yeah, let's have a parade. We'll dress up in costumes. We'll get balloons. We'll go down to the end of the street and march down the street. But they made this rule. Anybody could participate in the parade, but nobody could just watch. And so they went down the street knocking on doors and invited neighbors to come. They said, hey, come join the parade. It's going to end at our house with a cookout. And so they... They gathered a few neighbors and they started to march down the street with their kids, balloons, and, and, and costumes. Um, and everybody who was along the side that was a watcher, they converted into a participant and they ended up in the golf's backyard with a party. That's, that's a picture of the body of Christ. No one's meant to be just a watcher, everybody's meant to be a participant. The spiritual gifts are given to each one of us. But why? What's the purpose? Well, if you, if you look at, uh, at, the, at the end of, uh, of verse 10, he's going to tell us that, that they're given so that he would fill all things. But let's look closely at verses 8 through 10. A lot of people don't understand what Paul is talking about here. He says, beginning of verse 8, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So what in the world is Paul talking about in verses 8 through 10? Well, verse 8 is actually a quotation from Psalm 68. Psalm 68 is a psalm about God's victory, what we sang about earlier. It's a song about God scattering His enemies. And in ancient times, when a commander was victorious on the battlefield, he would go back to the streets of his home city, the capital of the victorious nation, And they would have a parade, and the victorious troops would march through the streets of the city, but they would be leading the captives. The captives would be there walking through in humiliation. And the commander would take uh, the spoils of victory, and he would distribute gifts to all the people along the parade route. Now, our commander has conquered He descended to this earth to die for our sins, to rise from the dead. He is now our ascended and exalted Lord. He has conquered. And now He is giving gifts to His church. That's what verses 8-10 through are all about. And, And why is He doing it? Look at the end of verse 10. It's a purpose clause. That He might fill all things. You see, we saw... In chapter one, in verse ten, that God's ultimate plan for the universe is to unite it, to, to restore it, to make it new, to make this broken world right again. And how is He doing that? He's doing it by making people right within this world. He's bringing about this new creation by making people new creations within this broken world and we're to take the gifts that he gives us and use them to impact the lives of people we are a part of bringing about god's new creation we're a part of him filling all things with his glory and one day that's going to be consummated when christ returns again but it's already been inaugurated And God wants to use you and me as a part of bringing about that that new creation. Now let's look at the second thing that we see here. A variety of gifts are given for the building up of the body. A variety of gifts are given for the building up of the body. Look at verses 11 and 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that's another word for pastor, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, this list does not name every spiritual gift. There are several gift lists, lists of spiritual gifts that are in Paul's epistles. But even if you were to combine all of those lists, don't think that you're seeing Every way that the Spirit of God works through followers of Christ, you're not. Because what those lists are meant to be, every one of those spiritual gifts that is mentioned in the New Testament is like a category heading. For instance, the gift of service. Okay, there are all kinds of ways that that gift is played out. The gift of mercy, there are all kinds of ways, you know, that that's played out or the gift of the administration or whatever it is, you know, those are like headings and there's all kinds of ways beneath those headings that, that God can use us in, in building up the body of Christ. Now, this particular list in Ephesians 4 focuses on gifts that are equipping gifts that enable others to use their gifts, in in the most effective way, okay? So he gives um, pastors, for instance, to the church to equip pastors, teachers, and those two things often combined together. Um, he, he He gives that office and gifted people within that office to equip all the members of the church to carry out their ministry. For instance, you know, If all you got from the pulpit was candy and ice cream, okay, then you're not going to be properly spiritually nourished. You're going to be spiritually undernourished, and therefore your ability in doing ministry and using your spiritual gift is going to be diminished. Okay, if you're getting healthy meat and vegetables and healthy carbs and all of that spiritually, okay, you're more spiritually strong to be able to go out and to use your spiritual gift. And so that's the idea here in verses 11 and 12. And notice here how different this is from the conception of the church that a lot of people have. Because a lot of people, their idea of the church is that, well, you have pastors and teachers and shepherds or whatever, and they do the ministry. Everybody else just kind of, they're there. But it's those folks that actually do the ministry. And that's come over into the terminology that a lot of churches use. A lot of churches, they call the, uh, the pastor, what? Their minister. What does that make the people in the church? This verse is saying that the, you know, the pastor, shepherds, teachers are given to what? To equip the saints, the people of the church, for the work of the ministry. Um, and see, when that's not happening, what happens is that ministry bottlenecks. Like if the, you know, the, the few people, pastors, teachers, shepherds, if they're trying to do all the ministry in the church and they're not equipping other people to do ministry, what happens? Ministry gets bottlenecked. It gets dammed up. Some years ago, when our family was living in North Carolina, I went out one afternoon, and I was scouting a place where I'd been duck hunting with some guys. And I wasn't hunting that day. I was just kind of scouting it out. And it was a swampy area, and I could hear mallard ducks quacking back in the swamp. So I made my way back there very quietly just so I could see where they were. And I got to a place where I could look out and not only saw where the ducks were, but I, I got one of the greatest treats that I've ever experienced in nature, and that was seeing beavers at work. Now, I had seen plenty of beaver dams before, but I'd never seen them out of the water and, and, and going about their work. This area, amazing, huge trees were already down. They'd been gnawed on, just clean, pristine bites and everything. Um, they were working on a couple of more that were that they were still standing, but they weren't going to be standing for long, because uh, they were just gnawing into them and just just watching these these beavers do their work. It was incredible. In 2010, uh, experts who monitor the uh, the spread and size of beaver dams in North America discovered a beaver dam in Alberta, Canada, that was 2,790 feet long. That's twice the length of the Hoover Dam. You could see the beaver dam from space, satellites. Well, what do dams do? They block the flow of water, which can be a really good thing. But the last thing that you want is for the flow of ministry to be blocked. You want the flow of ministry to be unleashed. Now that happens when pastors equip others to be freed up, unleashed, to minister and to use their spiritual gifts in building up the the body. Now, verses 13 and 14. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So God uses pastors, uh, teachers um, to, to equip others in the Word of God so that, well, several things happen. We grow. We grow in unity. We grow in knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of God's Word. Uh, we grow in maturity. We grow in discernment so that we can spot bad teaching, teaching that's not biblical. That's why you spot teaching that's not biblical. It's to know your Bible. Okay, and so God, God gives pastors and teachers to, to equip the body and and, and the word of God, that there might be discernment. And then he says in, in verses 15 and 16, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head and the Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow what a picture of a healthy church. Um, Each part, you know, each member doing their part and contributing to the strength and health of the whole, the team. This past summer, it was so fun to watch the the World Cup. Um, And my son Caleb and I watched uh, a lot of that together and, yeah, I just saw the summer like never before why it's sometimes called a beautiful game. And after the United States got eliminated, my favorite team was Germany, who eventually won the World Cup. But in watching each one of Germany's goals, I noticed something. You know, if you just watch the, the, the last second when the goal was scored, you, you, you missed out. If you rewound for about a minute or so, you would see that almost every goal that they scored was precipitated by a series of perfect passes, perfect touches on the ball. If any of those touches had been just slightly off, the defense would have caught up. They never would have scored. But they weren't off. It was just Boom, 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 boom. Perfect touch, perfect pass. Boom, boom, boom. Goal. Now, most people just see the goal at the end. But that goal was the final result of all these perfect touches that led up to it. David Nasser is the new head of spiritual life at Liberty University. Um, Manages their chapel services or convocation and so forth. Um, David's family came to the United States in 1979 from Iran. They fled the revolution that happened there. And as David was growing up in an American high school, he was doing his best to fit in, sometimes in the wrong ways, got involved in alcohol and drugs and so forth. And one night, a friend invited him to come to church with him, and uh, David found himself saying yes mainly because he he knew some of the girls from his high school that went to that church, but he found himself saying yes. But he figured it's a moot point because my family is Muslim and my dad's not going to let me go. And so on Saturday night, he went to his dad and asked him if he could go to this church. And his dad said, what church? And he told him the name. And his dad said, the people are kind there. You can go to that one, only that one. Well, what had happened was that in the weeks leading up to that, David's father was operating a restaurant, struggling. And some of the people from this church had been in this restaurant, and they saw that he was understaffed, his wait, he didn't have enough weight staff and so forth. And rather than complaining, they said, Can we help? And they got up and they began to serve. And one of the people from the church was the worship pastor, and he went so far as to introduce Mr. Nasser to his choir. And some of the choir members signed up to go and serve for free in this restaurant. That was what was lurking in the background. And so he allowed his son to go to church. At church, he met a student from his high school, a half-Korean young man named Larry No, a guy that he had been rude to about a year before. But Larry No was not rude to David. He said, we're so glad you're here. We want you to come back. And then in the weeks following that, Larry No and this group of teenagers began to reach out to David Nasser And they began to include him in their world. And they began to share the gospel with him and bring him to church. And one night after church, this group of teenagers was at Shoney's. And they'd been trying to share the gospel with him, and he just wasn't quite getting it. Um, and they left the restaurant. And as they were, they piled into Larry Nose Honda Accord. And as they were, uh, they were pulling out, backing out, their waitress came and knocked on the window. And she said, I think, I think you made a mistake. She said, I think you, you, you messed up your bills and you gave me larger bills than what you, were, you really meant to give. Because her bill was like $35 and they'd given her over a $100. And Larry Nose said, no, ma'am, it wasn't a mistake. So we you know we just saw that you were working hard and we just felt led by God to bless you. And so a few of us got together and and we did that. And David Nasser said that's the night that I got grace. That I began to understand grace. That it's a gracious God that makes us gracious and he began to connect the dots, and see this is all flowing from Christ. And soon after that, he gave his light to Jesus as his pastor was preaching. Now most people in the church just saw that last day when he came to Christ in church. But see, that was just like the last link in a chain. There were all kinds of touches from people in the church that led up to that day. That's the way it happens. Almost always, it's, it's the body of Christ joining together, each part doing its work, so the people are saved and people are discipled. and The body of Christ is built up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being a part of the movement that you were bringing about in this broken world. Father, our world needs New Testament churches where people are equipped in ministry, where they're using their spiritual gifts. Father, I pray for everyone here that if they haven't yet found what you've called them to do in building up the body, that through prayer and just through immersing themselves and trying to minister and serve and help here, that they'll find that place where their deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And Father, we thank you for the incredible vision of the New Testament church that we see here. We pray that you would be conforming our church more and more to that vision as the body of Christ is built up. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here today and God's speaking to your heart about coming to know him. Maybe you've got questions about that, or maybe you've you've given your life to Christ, maybe even today. You know, Jesus tells us that when that happens, we're to confess Him publicly. In just a few moments, we're going to stand and sing. If God's working in your heart, that you've come to know Him, I want to invite you to slip out from where you are. And I'm going to be here at the front and just share with me what God has done in your life today. We just want to come alongside you and help in every way that we can. Maybe you're here today and uh, God's speaking to you about being a part of the, this body of believers. And we would love to welcome you. We want to invite you to come as others stand and sing. Let's stand together. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to Him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8, 30, and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.